Hi, I'm Yannick Guzdala. This is the Yannick Guzdala podcast. For this episode, I sat down with my good friend and rock guitar guru, Rob Bailey, uh, in New York at his apartment in his studio. And uh, we, we get to so many things on this interview. It's, uh, it's one of the longer ones and, and definitely a fun one. We, uh, we talk about everything from him doing jingles for Calvin Klein to playing with Aerosmith and being on the phone with Steven Tyler for the first time and everything in between. We, we worked together a lot um, uh, back in, you know, we're talking about 13 or 14 years ago with various, uh, with various pop artists and bands and, and then a little bit later on with a girl by the name of Delta Goodrum, an Australian pop singer. And the opening of the podcast here when we, when we cut to the interview in a second is kind of some B-roll that I thought I would leave in because as we were sitting there, in the studio, uh, Rob's computer was was uh, was up and running, and for some reason, Delta's picture popped up. But it was some promo or some email or something popped up, and she was there. It was kind of wow. Okay, this is this is something we did together, and and let's go for it. So the the interview starts out with a little bit of B-roll, and uh, and gets going very shortly after that. Um, if you're listening on iTunes, don't forget to rate and review if you dig what you're hearing. The same goes for Stitcher or any other podcast aggregator that you may be listening on right now um, I really appreciate the support um, if you go and rate and review and that really helps to spread the word of the podcast and helps me create great free content for you guys and and, and, and lets me present some of these unbelievable people that I have that I have access to it's been a massive privilege to know all of these people that I interview for the most part over uh, you know over the past 15 or 20 years and, and to be able to present that to you is amazing so don't forget to rate and review and here it is this is my interview with Rob Bailey you know not like I'm gonna be like you know embarrassing it's no. just it's just what what is he talking about now I get it I get it mm-hmm. we get off on a tangent Ooh. sometimes and look at this look what came up here what's that oh my god yeah. <laughs> I think she kind of bounced back yeah I haven't talked to Rich so, in years, dude. So, yeah, so here we are. All right, I'm sitting it. here in New York with Rob Bailey, and up on his screen ah. pops, <laughs> pops a girl that one of the people we work with together, um, Delta Goodrum. Yes. 2008, I want to uh, say. Eight or nine, yeah, yeah. something like that. I want to say eight. I seem to remember <laughs> you calling me making that gig happen and kind of saving my ass because, oh. no, because I'd moved to LA mm-hmm. a couple of months beforehand for a gig that was a hundred and I'm raising inverted commas here a hundred percent locked in and two years wow. of work and a big salary and it lasted two weeks Wow! and I'd given up my apartment in New York and moved out to LA and done the whole bit and then when you called me it was like oh. did you get paid for the two weeks at least I did get paid for oh, the two weeks, and then I got paid for. We played at the Waldorf, I think. Yeah, we had fun. We played Central we played Park. Cool places, yeah. We did yeah, David Letterman. City. Strange things like yeah, but Waldorf was neat. Do you remember the Letterman show? Very yeah, yeah. And do you remember what happened? That we all froze, like everybody else ever, who's ever played. Oh well, yeah, the, the Letterman keeps it like a meat locker oh, for well, sure. But we do you remember up? who the? No, we didn't. Oh, oh remember yeah. Remember who the guest was? Oh jeez, yeah, it was McCain. John McCain, and he, Senator, and he, and he bailed. He blanked him. <laughs> like 40 minutes wow. before taping wow and it was mayhem back there i just remember people running around rewriting the show god that was weird but uh, 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 a little bonus for us i don't know if you noticed this at all but that letterman re-ran more than any other i kept getting <laughs> little checks for it like yeah, a year later yeah, it, was, it was running on an airplane it was because it was so like he, he was clowning john mcclain john mcclain john mccain so badly john, yeah, yeah. um 
I saw the show that John McCain did after, like when he went back on, and he yeah. was like, he was very self-effacing about did that. Did he take it on yeah, the chin? He, he, yeah, yeah, he, 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 he. Because Letterman went after him for the entire week. Yeah. I think we were pretty early in the week, and Letterman for like five shows in a row, just butchered him. And I think that was right around the the Palin, uh, the oh big you know, time bringing Palin on board. And know. and we have another kind of key date um, in the we started working together with Jive. Mm-hmm. Um, oh Jesus Christ! Right. I know where you're going. You know, and so so me myself and I was the yeah. single, and as I remember it, correct me if I'm wrong. You were probably way more in the loop, or I, it, dude, I have older enough than me to be paying more attention to the right things. Let's put it mm-hmm. that way. Rob, for the for the purpose of our listeners, Rob introduced me to professionalism in a big way. <laughs> he also introduced me to Led Zeppelin that I hadn't oh, wow. heard. I don't know if I ever told you this, but I hadn't heard Led Zeppelin until I met you. Wow. Which was pretty late to be hearing that for the first time in my... I feel like I definitely did a good thing. Oh, you you did some amazing things for me. But me, myself, and I, I seem to remember it was one of, if not the number one requested single on radio across the country. I seem to remember that kind of stat. And And the release date was, of course... That is maybe one of the few CDs that I have kept because of... Right. The, the release date on it, which is, uh, yeah, September 11th, 2001. Yeah. But, you know, and it was just, it's so crazy. Like, so uh, August, the single was was uh, put out to MTV, yeah. which was still the days of TRL and Absolutely. Teen Pop. Yeah, Carson Daly. Yeah, Carson <laughs> Daly, and that thing was moving. And it was, I, I, God, I want to say that it maybe even made it up to eight or something like that. Eight, okay. Like right when. But it was sh- hot. It was in it heavy was rotation. Yeah, it was. On, it, it was fun. It was like it was all the right elements yeah. and um, and my dog's about to bark, but you That's really right. have to mellow down, easy. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Good girl. Good girl. You might have to get another bone just to be quiet. Oh, what are you looking for up here? Okay, you you want you want an uh, you want a IC cable to chew on? There you go. <laughs> She doesn't chew on those. Thank God. It's amazing that you can present her with the cable (laughs) and she's a cable. She's a puppy dog. (laughs) Okay, so hey, but um, so yeah, yeah. I think it was. I think it made it to number eight, and then and then there you have it. The release was nine eleven, and it was one of these things where it's like, who's going to get behind a record called "Me, Myself, and I"? Right. That came out. Yeah. That day. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know, then Enrique like heroes the number one song after that. Absolutely. You know? And I, I don't remember which month we started working together that year, but we, we'd been a few months in the studio rehearsing right. and playing some right, showcases. Right. And maybe we started in, I don't know, the spring or the summer or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, I remember there being, I remember being excited that was my first pop gig. Yeah. And that there was going to be some real touring on the books. Like, because he, you know, and we're talking about this record by Jive Jones. What was the record called? Was it called um, Me, Myself and I? The single was Me, Myself and I. I think it was called Me, Myself, Okay. And, and what well, you co-wrote I Belong, right? I co-wrote I Belong, which was a single in, which was a hit in, um, I think it was like two Holland. Years oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Um, and he actually had a following there, you know? Totally. And he was... Well, remember, he went to play that huge play concert, like a, the Pepsi a, yeah, Pop concert yeah. in the stadium thing, yeah. Um, yeah, that and was... And the, um, what was I going to say? Oh, but, uh, so the album... Uh, was never f- released here. It was released in South America and places in some places in some countries in Europe. Yeah. But the thing is, we were supposed to uh, in it in um, ahead of the 
the release where we, we were going to tour Britney on the exactly that was the whole goal of getting the band right. together right because Jive uh, now what the story was he was on Columbia and Jive Records were going to sue him for using the name Jive yeah and then they and then they were like oh he's actually an artist and a songwriter and yeah. he I guess he wrote a bunch for Mandy Moore yeah. for Britney he, yeah. he was a writer as well so they ended up picking him up so we're talking about this guy Jive Jones signed to Jive Records yeah he that's wrote the, Candy for Mandy Moore <coughs> there you which, go which I played on that and yeah I worked with his producer Dave Katz on a bunch right. of stuff and, I remember the hangs yeah. at his apartment seeing all the gold and platinum discs on the oh, wall yeah, he, played, he, he, he yeah. wrote a lot of, I have a lot of hits. I have me and myself and I in that pile, which is oh, nice. not, it's just not up on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, I have this on the wall. It says, some dudes hope you start a band so they can start a cover band of, of that, that band. band. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That was, that was a Father's Day gift, actually. Nice. So. I might have to. I might have That's to a get, good one. I'm going to have to get one of those for the studio. Um, um, oh, I think so, it's words to live by. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that was... Be inspired by. There, it, yeah, there were a huge number of things that you did for me then whether they were conscious or not in terms of professionalism. I don't think I've ever said thank you for that, so thank oh, you. Um, and, and just things that I try and pay forward in terms of people when they ask me advice, you know, and just memories of being in the studio and being around Wolf as well, you know, Steve Wolf yeah. who co-produced the record, right? So, or played yeah, on it or... I mean, I'd, I'd say Dave, we all were all kind of like circling around Dave and okay. sort of pitching in, but Dave. But then Wolf ended up know, being like the musical director, kind of. Yeah, the yeah, band he put the band together. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And that was that, that, that was a lot. This, but. I, I know, right? He did when I came into audition. Well, my audition was a little funky. Do you I think I remember hearing this about the photographs. Mm, refresh my memory. Okay, so this is very weird, and I tell this story all the time. That you know, Steve called me in. He's like, "Man, uh, this this guy in the UK recommended you, uh-huh. and uh, think oh, you'd be great awesome. for the gig. Can you come in?" I was like, "Yeah, you know, what kind of music is Who's it?" Who's the dude? Was the Lighthouse Family dude recommended you? It was. Steve? It was Frank Tonto. Okay. Who had been play, who played with a Craig Dave and a lot of pop acts, okay. a lot of UK pop acts. And I, hadn't Wolf been playing with Lighthouse? Lighthouse. Yeah. yeah. So I think Lighthouse Factory. Lighthouse Factory. Uh, Lighthouse Family. Lighthouse Family. There you go. Factory. CNC Lighthouse Factory. <laughs> Steve Wolf was playing with the CNC Lighthouse Family. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. In, in a factory. It was so a they'd game. done some like co-touring together, and Frank was trying to hook me up very nicely, and, yeah, and cool. so recommended me Steve. So uh, I said, "Yeah, what kind of music is it? What kind of bass shall I bring?" He's like, "No, mm. no, no, just bring some photographs of you on stage, like performing. Bring them in. Like that's what the artist wants to see." Okay. Apparently, Jive didn't really care. What I was doing musically, mm-hmm. but wanted to see if I would. That's how I got the nickname Abercrombie and Fish. Do you remember this? Because <laughs> <laughs> I kind of got some threads and tried mm-hmm. to look hip. What it, you know, looking right, like, right, a, now, yeah, like I was back. playing with NSYNC or something, you know. Right, right, right. And I walked in and showed the photographs in Euphoria Studios, and he's like, "All right, you got the gig." And then I went back to actually rehearse a little bit. And I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you were there then. No, I don't think I was. We were just playing to tracks. Yeah, makes sense. And Wolf, it was me and Wolf at Euphoria, like playing through the tunes. Wow. And then the next day, it was another drama, and Wolf kind of directing traffic. Beans, and then the third, yeah. yeah, Beans, exactly. Yeah. And then the third day, Wolf was gone, and that was it, man. Wow. I was like, that's how it can be sometimes. I got to play with him for a day. Yeah, I yeah. I wish yeah. it had been a year, you know. Oh like, yeah, without a doubt, he would he would have been a lot of fun to do that with. But he was definitely moving away from wanting to play live. Yeah. And wanted, he wanted to stay in the studio. I'm going to talk to him a lot about that. Mm-hmm. on the episode we do but um well it, you know it worked out i feel like he's like i feel like he's like one of the last men standing in that absolutely. in that field he's like you know especially in the, new york that's oh yeah for sure man um but i remember i mean 
You had obviously done a bunch of stuff before that. By the way, we were roommates in college, him and I. You and Wolfa yeah, yeah, at Berkeley? Yeah, yeah. so. Okay, like I nice, did know it's that. It's a nice I'd thing to. I'd forgotten about yeah. that, yeah. And we were hanging like just a couple of weeks ago. I mean, yeah. my neighbor, so it's like. It's were great. you. So were you around him when he got the gig with Hiram Bullock? Mm hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah, totally, totally. What, I was, mean, what was the vibe then? Like, what was it like? Whoa! It was kind of like he was vetted. Yeah. You know, exactly. And, you know. It's like a graduation moment. So. I, you know, I remember meeting Steve and actually one of my favorite moments, I don't think I've told anybody this story because this, this is a Berkeley moment between where I'm, I'm bookended by two great drummers in, in the elevator. Okay. <laughs> Steve, uh, me, St Steve and Brian Tishy. Okay. From the Dead Daisies, Billy Idol, yep. Ozzy, Foreigner, yep. on and on and on. Oh yeah. Uh, the three of us are in an elevator. Sounds like a joke, but it's yeah. not. So, but it is kind of funny. Steve walks in. He's got one white shoe, one black shoe. And, um, and I didn't know either of these guys yet, really. I don't think I'd met him even. And we go up the elevator. Steve gets off on the first floor or the second floor, whatever the fuck it is. And uh, I just like go, what's up with the shoes? <laughs> and then Brian goes, that guy's a badass drummer and walks off on the next floor. <laughs> yeah, and I just remember, I don't know why I remember the two of them. Probably because of Steve's shoes. Yeah. And then I think I met Brian shortly after that in the creepiest fucking way. Brian and I, Brian's one of my best friends. Okay. And as is Steve. And it's like, but I remember I used to sleepwalk. Okay. And Halloween... Uh, right, literally, right when I by my met Brian, I remember sleepwalking and going to the practice rooms in the sheds. I don't know what floor. I must have gone on the elevator and yeah. stairs. I draped myself on his kit, <laughs> and I woke up on top of his kit, like 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 cradling his drum kit. Like we're gonna make some music. Wow. Yeah. Isn't okay. that fucking weird? Well, that's, that's, that's one way to make friends. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he didn't discover me on his kid or anything. Yeah. But I just remember like waking up and then being like, oh, that's that guy Tishy's kid. Oh. Wow. It was just weird, I thought. And I, I was drawn to this thing. Are you, I mean, obviously with Steve and, and, and Brian, you are. Um, how, how wide and how deep is the Berkeley network still to this day? What, what years do you go there, if you don't mind me um, asking? A couple years ago. A couple years no, ago. No, a couple, no, two, three nah, that's not funny at all. Uh, <laughs> late 80s, okay. early 90s, too early 90s. And that network is still in existence? Uh, yeah, I mean, there were a bunch of people who were friends, and it's like there's a bunch of people who've continued to have careers in music. Because I get that it's question very, all the time, like, hey, man, you went to Berkeley. Do you recommend me going? It's a shit ton of money. <laughs> Should I do Yeah, I mean, compared Well, that's to, a whole different question than it would have been, like, years ago. Even when I went there, yeah, it right, was a true. fraction of what it is now. And right. when you went there, even, even more so, yeah. and, and people always ask, why is it worth going? And I say, yeah, if you can get a scholarship, it's right. worth going just for the network. Oh, yeah. Because there are just so Without many doubt. people. Well, that's the only, I mean... That's the most important thing to take away, um, besides regrets. <laughs> but it's like, I, um, yeah, like, I mean, like, I, like just off the top of my head, best friends from Berkeley, Brian, uh, Wolf, uh, my buddy Ernie LaRouche is now Britney's drummer. Okay. You know, he's doing the Vegas thing. Yeah. Um, my my buddy Dorian Hartsong plays bass with Jason Bonham. Yeah. It's like, you know, everybody's sort of doing, doing it, it, you know? Yeah. Did you know when you were there, could you pick out the ones that were, were going to do it and the ones that weren't? 
Yeah. yeah. Don't you think so? I do. I, I mean, I, but, is... but you know what? Sort of. Yeah. There were. There were like. Like I think Steve was like a star. You know. Fucking oh, yeah. Brian was like. He just had an X factor thing that other people didn't have. Yeah. But there were also, to, for my for my money, like okay, like those two guys, for instance, I just mentioned. Yeah. I didn't even have my shit together anywhere near as close as they did when I was at school with them. Right. Um, but I like those guys. Like they were like, like I remember getting there. Who the fuck is the guy? Uh, you know Ben Porowski, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, he was like going out when I was coming in okay. and it's like I remember going like fuck and he played with this guy Vadim uh-huh. and I remember seeing that guy play Kai Eckhart people like that yeah, yeah. and I remember going like Jesus Christ you know yeah. and it's like there was that you know this thing that was sort of like and I'm sure you went in and you kind of had your shit like dialed in I mean the process was I got really lucky I mean I, I always reference this one cat this saxophone player who's now immensely successful mm -hmm. and, and still just an unbelievable musician and he heard me practicing or playing or mm -hmm. something like day one. Oh no, we were in a scholarship ensemble together. Okay. So I, because I had a scholarship, they made us do this thing, which was very fortuitous because mm -hmm. of the people I met. And he just thought, maybe he hadn't heard an electric bass player play over changes before, mm. like, and move through all the things you are, or dry right. steps or something. So he just started saying, to, man, you've got to check out this cat. He can play changes, and oh, he's a great. bass player. And that was all it took. That's great. 48 hours of that coming from someone who could really play, mm -hmm. and I could go to any session I wanted, yes. any jam yeah, session. And that just opened the door. The and then I, there are people not. that came in that I feel they had their shit together way more than I did and have gone on to be way mm -hmm. more famous and way better musicians, in my opinion, who felt the complete opposite about themselves and were completely shy hmm. and thought about giving up and going back home. Oh, well, that's kind of got, that's part of the territory for sure. <coughs> One thing I was going to say, though, uh, did I also knew that there were, I'm big on personalities and I remember like, meeting people who some who could play and some who couldn't just going like man no one's going to ever want to be dealing with you for a long period right. of time Absolutely. and that's a big one it's like yeah. and I also feel like some of my I, I think all my friends from school are pretty freaking entertaining yeah. as people yeah. you know and that's like 90% of the music business it, yeah. right it's like 10% yeah. music and 90% dealing with people yeah. you know so and then you came straight to New York uh <laughs> Uh. No, I spent a year in Boston. Okay. Working in a kitchen. Okay. And, you know, really like staring at the ceiling yeah. a lot at night, you know, going like, what did I do? Yeah. yeah, yeah. What am I doing? You right, know? Right, right, right. And then Steve had an opening. So to get back to the Hiram thing with yeah. Wolf, it's like, you know, he, he got that opportunity uh, through Lisa Maxwell. Do you know her? No, I don't. Yeah, she knew. She's uh, She actually played uh, sax with GNR when they did the Use Your Illusions tour. Okay. She was friends with Hiram and loved Steve and um, she hooked it up yeah. and he split school. Yeah. And yeah, I just remember coming and seeing him play with him. So you went to see the show? Oh yeah, I saw yeah. shitloads. I saw a lot of gigs that were like strange, uh, like I remember he did like a rock night once that was just really, really cool. And, yeah. And uh, you know, and then his own thing, you know, that was like stuff off his records yeah. and singing a little bit, singing yeah. a little bit, yeah, which which I never cared for, yeah. you know. <laughs> but I also, I mean, one of you know, definitely as I get as I get as I get older and as I get better, yeah, that's a guy that I just continually just appreciate, yeah, yeah, you know, it's just for like sure. wow, you know, 
Yeah, that was it. That was you know. I, and I love. I'm glad that you got to play with him, oh, yeah. and I got to see him like one more time before he passed on. Did you come to a show? I came I to doing? a Sweet Basil, I think. No kidding. Is that is that right? Absolutely. That, um, that was. He was doing a bunch of nights up there. Yeah, we did because it was over New Year's, and we that would have been 2001. No recollection of playing drums with you that night. Uh, Kenwood Denard. Get the fuck out. That was the band. How did that happen? I didn't remember that. Yeah, Kenwood Denard, um, Casey Benjamin, who now plays in the Robert Glasper Experiment mm. and with a ton of people, and then the the, U, the the New York Horn section of Doom, like Lou Soloff and Casey Benjamin and all these guys from the Gil Evans Orchestra. Is that the only time you played there at Sweet Basil with them? Uh, no, I played a couple of times at Sweet Basil. I don't think I saw Kenwood because I would have remembered that. Could have been Victor Lewis. There was one night that Victor Lewis okay. did it on drums, maybe. But yeah, I've... Nuts. That was a, a massive education. And getting to do it night after night as well. You know, that's something I miss. I don't know about, about you in, in terms of like the consistency of playing with someone or going oh, out yeah. and like actually finding something in the music by being able to do it night after night mm -hmm. rather than, okay, we were at Arlene's Grocery tonight and then in six weeks we'll have another gig yeah. or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and we never toured together, me and you. No, we, we did no, a lot of stuff these, like that, actually, yeah, like, like sporadic. Yeah, stuff. like and just the stuff with Delta, which was like a lot of, a lot of gigs, but like all like New York based and label based. And, yeah. Uh, I don't think you did. You do no, you didn't do. We did um, bef 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 before the thing that we did. We did a whole run of stuff, uh, which was um, just you and her. No, 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 no. No, I was supposed to go out and do a, an acoustic thing that fell through with her. Oh, I remember that afterwards. Which yeah. Was a bummer. That would have been fun. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Rich, Rich Stanford, by the way. Oh, yeah, big time. What a fucking great dude. Oh, man. Great player, great musician. And he's like, great, I think... Great, there's a great hang right there. Yeah, it, that was a really good hang with Fancy yeah. Delancey on drums, with <laughs> Brian Delaney. That was the first time I met Brian, and we, we walked into SIR together, had no idea. We both looked over it. We had no idea what Delta Goodrum looked like. Mm -hmm. And we thought and, and we thought it was just this chick in the room, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. And me and Brian, hello, how are you doing? What's mm -hmm. this gig? I have no idea. And then she sat down at the piano and played like Rachmaninoff's second piano concerto right, right, or something. Right. We were oh, yeah, okay. okay, she's really legit. She's really And she legit. could sing great. She sings yeah. like yeah. a bird. Great. Yeah. Um, so that was fun. Do you remember the shroomies? Oh, Lord. I couldn't... <laughs> I just... Oh, what a terrible man name. <laughs> terrible band Jive's name. Yeah. yeah, terrible band name. But, but we played a bunch of shows. We played a lot band. of shows. <laughs> in all the places. All the, the spots, continental and all the those places. Um, with Frank Ferrero on drums. With Frank. Me, you, Frank, Jive. That's it. That's and who was Jive's sidekick running the... Oh, Dex! Dex! Poor exactly. Dex. Having yeah. to run that. Well, okay, so we, did the, we, did, we were doing club dates uh, 2003, 2000, 2000, 2003, mm -hmm. and it was uh, crazy because it was just pre... I don't know, the technology of having hard drive stuff oh, was absolutely. Kind of yeah, remember that? And Dex like, yeah. would run the machine, yeah, so whatever he, it was. He like bought a, like some sort of hard disk recorder that was... DA88s maybe? No, or, no, no, it was like a boss, like, you know... Oh, completely closed no, circuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nobody's, nobody's using it. Wow. So, it was just awful. Now, at that time, when I was first getting in the scene in New York, you were already like doing some jingle stuff, right? Or breaking into that scene and working in the studio? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, or see, had the, been for a while. Yeah, the thing that the thing that's uh, interesting is, um, you know, around the time that we met, I think that that, you know, everything had just been, been the deck had been thrown into the air. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, right. about music in general. That was the big time. Because right. of downloading. Yeah. That was the big, 
uh, and 9-11 yes especially in New York I remember like 10 12 clubs closing and never reopening you know what I mean like jazz things not necessarily yeah, rock yeah stuff, no, that makes sense definitely jazz things that makes went sense. away and it, the climate really changed yeah it was really scary and, and freaky and at that point in time I was sort of like I was sort of having a nice run playing on pop records with a bunch of different people right I was working out in uh, Cove City Long Island a yeah. lot uh, I was doing stuff in town and I was starting to really get a little I, I was starting to develop something I felt uh, and then that and it really in a lot of ways I was still just like I was just like to be fucking doing stuff with good people right and making money doing music yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but it was like it was also not really like full on my thing you know I wish it had been a little less uh, I wish I had been working on something that was a little less canned not canned but like uh, manicured yeah. you know what I mean yeah, it was yeah. like pop music of the yeah day. it was produced it super was produced super produced yeah. you know and it was like but then that stuff anyway just went away yeah that's that stuff got killed, it killed off. Did you realize early on that songwriting was gonna uh, and producing and having those kind of credits on a record was gonna overtake the playing guitar, for instance, which is what you do and have done for your whole um, life? No, I just I just was, and that's that's a problem. I mean, they, I, like you know, you look back and it's like, oh, what was I thinking? You know? Yeah. No, I like I should have uh, I should have been like keeping my eyes on several balls as I juggled, you know, but um. Whatever, you know. I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying something here. But uh, um, flapping my gums. But what I was gonna say is, uh, at that point in time, I ended up doing a bunch of spots with a guy, who uh, commercial spots, commercial spots, yeah. and uh, it. He was, he was a small. He had a small house. His name's Tony Shimkin. He, he, he'd uh, been a writer, producer with Shep Pettibone. Mm -hmm. who's, who's kind of like the father of the remix. Yeah. He'd been working for him. And the first time I ever did a session was with Tony in, in New York City. He, I, he met me through uh, a friend of a friend and he heard me playing slide guitar. And he wanted me to play something on somebody's demo. And from there we, we, we started working together. And uh, in a roundabout way, he's the, the first major label record I ever played on was a Cindy Lauper song. Okay. And uh, late, late, uh, mid late 90s. And, uh, you know, so he kept me in his book and I started doing other things. But then he called me to start doing some session work that he had on ad work because he yeah. was moving from, he wasn't getting productions on records. Right. So he moved over to the ad thing. He had his company. Then we went to work for this big jingle company. Right. And we made shitloads, shitloads of fucking commercials. Yeah. I remember you talking to you about that then and you were and just it was like... Nuts. All day, man. Like. And <laughs> these people were as crooked as you get. Yeah. And they were they paid late, and it was miserable in that respect. But the great thing was playing all the time. Yeah. And I actually really liked the the thirty sixty second format. It's like mm -hmm. bang. Yeah. You know, it was really like the hit and run thing really worked for me at yeah. that time. Um, and st different styles. You know, it really, it really galvanized. Were you building your home studio at this point and doing a lot yeah. of work oh, from yeah. home? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And it, and it was like, and the first thing I did on my home studio was a freaking grand slam. I oh, did yeah. a CK1 commercial, all me. I think I remember yeah, CK1 was, jeans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
The fragrance. Oh, the fragrance. Okay. Mm -hmm. I seem to remember a jean commercial going pretty good as well for you talking to you one day and you're like, yeah, I just oh, yeah, did this yeah. thing for jeans. And well, I, I, did, I did CK stuff for like, I had like a five-year run with them oh. where it's like I did, I think, almost all their commercials. Not all their commercials, exactly. but I did, I did like a good 60% of their commercials. Yeah. And it was really cool because the guy, Fabian Barron, who was the creative director for them, and also he's, he's the editor of, um, editor-in-chief of Interview Magazine. He's just a freaking great artist. And okay. He would just give you like free reign, huh? Yeah, it was well, great. That helps. It was great. Yeah, and then one day it stopped. Yeah, I remember doing a little bit of it. Not any any jingles that got picked up, but doing a lot of demos. You know. Well, can you imagine what you, what shit would have been like for you if it was 1978? I'd probably be dead of a heroin overdose or a cocaine yeah, besides overdose. Besides that, besides <laughs> that, uh, and I only say that because I would have been working. 21 hour days well, and would have right. needed that's narcotic right. assistance that's right. to stay that's up right. that long. I mean, yeah, I get where you were going it's with like the reference. Much. Okay, you, you know, know, you know the reference, but yeah. let's pick a year where you wouldn't have died. You know, um, like, I would have had a, a career like Marcus Miller or Will Lee or yeah. Anthony Jackson. It would yeah. have just been, you know, um, what's the, the service? Um, what was the service? The diary service? Uh, oh, um, radio registry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just been that every day. You know? I um I know this uh know this guy I played with a little bit. Uh his name's Brian Stanley, he's a bass player. Okay. He played with Garland Jeffries and uh a couple seventies dudes and he okay. and he was a uh he was he I met him on I did a gig um with a girl named Jenny Moldar. Okay. Who's a who's a really hip chick. And uh I was like the junior member of the crew, you know, and, and he was sort of telling me about the old days. Yeah. And I remember he said that he moved to New York in 1978. Oof. And the year I was born. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so that would have been tough for you to break in at that Pretty point. Pretty much. Real tough. Yeah. Um, so he said that he, he just ex ran down what his book looked like one day to me. Yeah. And I was like, it, and I, one thing I thought that was really cool was it included an 8-track demo session somewhere for yeah. somebody's song. Yeah. A jingle at like 12 a, you know, 12, 12 to 1, yeah. you know? A gig at night, you know? Yeah. And, he, and this was what his day was Rod like. Rod Stewart single at 3 p.m. or something. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, hopefully, yeah. you know. He did play on, he mentioned some stuff he played on. One thing I thought was fascinating was he played on like a, like a big, like a big later day Beach Boy record and yeah. some, some stuff like that, so. Well, I, I remember Marcus telling me a story of being, being around Marcus telling. Well, I don't know whether it was directly to me or to a mm -hmm. group of people where he was saying, talking about the, the just the two of us, which was <laughs> just awesome. the, what you, when you said eight track demo, that was the session you went in to do was just a demo session yeah. and it ended up being just the two of us. Which know, is like, funny that that's more what it's like now. And it, I think it was less like it was like then, but that's, but still it's like famous story about an eight track demo that goes final is signed, sealed and delivered. Yeah. You know? <laughs> It's like, why yeah. do you want to mess with that? Right. <laughs> Demo sounds great, Stevie. Yeah. You yeah. don't need to recut. He's, he's playing drums on it and everything, right? Yeah, it's, the just, whole, it's awesome. The whole thing. You know. Um, talk a little bit about getting to work with uh, with a band that, that you were way into. Oh. You know where I'm going with this? Aerosmith? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, that was a, kind of a... An experience. An experience. Uh, yeah. uh, it, uh, one of my very dear friends, um, who I, I feel he's sort of like one of my Berkeley buddies, okay. but he's in New York, he's like my, like the New York version of that, a, okay. guy, a guy I met named Russ Irwin uh, yeah. ages ago. Um, he's a great, 
great artist in his own right, um, super singer, great keyboard player. Um, and he, uh, in 97, got the gig as a touring keyboard player for Aerosmith. Right. Um, which is one of my favorite bands from when I was a kid, you know. And he uh, was touring with them for a bunch of years. And he played with Sting as well. He went on the road with Sting for a while. Um, he, was, he was like, he really got dug into the organization. Yep. And by the time 2009 rolls along, he was sort of like uh, a, a bit of a confidant, you know. Anyway, so I did a gig down at Asbury Park on a Friday night. <laughs> no, wait, on a Thursday night yeah. with Frank, actually. Okay. Uh, Frank with Ferrer. With our original, but Frank Ferrer, yeah, yeah. Who's on the road with the Guns N' Roses right now. Yeah. Um, he, so we come, we, we played at Asbury Park. Um, we don't get home till um, 4, 5 a.m. because we agreed to drive some kid home yeah. from the gig who ended up vomiting all over the car. Oh, so no. we're like, <laughs> rest stop. We should have been home at like midnight or something. Yeah. We're like cleaning the car, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it was just the craziest thing. Um, so I'm bleary eyed on a Friday morning and I get this call from Russ. He's like, he's like, do you know every old Aerosmith song? And I just like perked up a little bit. I'm yeah. Like, yeah, more or less. And he's like, talk to Steven. I'm like, uh-oh. I'm getting the call, aren't I? I was just like, yeah. I'm getting the fucking call right yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> and then so, so Steven's like... Uh, Tyler we're talking yeah, about. Tyler, now, yeah, Tyler. He's just like, he's like on my MySpace page. He's like, cool dog, dude, who is laying right over there right yeah. now. You know, he's like, oh man, you know, you look great and all this stuff. And they listen to little shit and whatever. And uh, then Joe Perry... Um, gets on the phone and uh, I say to him it's like they want me to come up today okay. that day on a Friday yeah. and I'm like oh man I just was like, I, I, like can you give me a day to like get some coffee and learn, yeah. learn some shit yeah. he's like we got coffee up here <laughs> <laughs> I was like all right. So. It's amazing to me at this point. Joe Perry's on the phone and you're trying to buy some time I know like, I'm just <laughs> like I'm, I was just like because they, they literally wanted me to get on board and I like you know I was like yeah. No, you're right. You're right. That's a totally bad call. No, opinion. no, but that's like a total baller move, right? Yeah. There. Like, just, yeah. All right, Joe. Just hold yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess look at it that way too. Um, I uh, yeah. So I ended up going there and played in their rehearsal space with mm -hmm. them because Brad Whitford was out uh, on. An, he had an injury. He hit his head getting out of like a car or something oh, like that, and it just hit him the wrong way. And he yeah. had like major like like head head trauma yeah and they were like they at that point they had no idea what kind of condition he was in okay um that's what i was told at the time i remember but uh and they uh they they i know they scrambled for a bunch of dudes with, with big names like the dudes in mccartney's band and some people like that you know to, to jump in i think marty frederick frederickson who produced them was yeah. potentially on board and they get they had brad's tech on on board at the time i don't know why they were uh why he wasn't just gonna roll with it. He eventually did the tour. Okay. But this cat Bobby Schneck is a great, solid guitar player, solid rock guitar player, knew the shit because he was fucking teching for Brad. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. totally like knew all yeah. the nuances. Yeah, and exactly. Stuff. Uh, so anyway, but I went up there, and the, the reason I hung in there for a bit was because I could sing. Okay. And Tyler wanted. Oh, yeah, you yeah. Know, he yeah. wanted. A he wanted choir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I was. Um, 
I, I spent a day with them in their space. Yeah. And that was amazing because we did only deep cuts. All shit that I never in a million years would have thought that I'd be playing with, with that Aerosmith, band. Yeah. <laughs> and the funniest thing is Joe was like vibing and just digging it. Yeah. And Steven was busting me on so many details. Oh, yeah. Shit that I really didn't have a time to work out. Yeah, Give me yeah. like a day and I got it. Yeah. But it was like he busted me on the smallest shit. And meanwhile, singing-wise, he was just like, yeah! yeah okay. I'm like, I'm listening, I'm like, yeah, you're like the best fucking rock singer in the world, and you're going, yeah, to me! I mean, that'll do something for your confidence. Yeah. 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 But Joe was like, oh, guitar sounds great. At the end of the day, he comes up to me, the first day that I was up there, he goes, he goes, it's like, love your sound, love your feel, bet you never thought you'd be fucking doing this, did you? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no siree. So it was a great experience. So he knew what was going on. Oh, he, I, come on. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, he, he knew, he knew I also got it. Yeah. I mean, that is a sloppy band. Yeah. But you pull that, you pull those strings together. Yeah. And tie it up and suddenly it's like freaking magic. And yeah. I could, you know, it's like the only, I mean, I've played with some great people, but that's the only time I think I've been in the fucking eye of the storm like that. Yeah. And it's just like, oh yeah, this is this is this is it. This is what I love. This you know? is why we're doing yeah. And Steven Tyler's the, the the bit he's the badass. Yeah. And the the coolest thing, musically in some ways, was me, Russ, and him getting to sing together. Yeah. Because we were like taking the two part harmony thing, making it three part sometimes, doing doubles and it's like it was great. And we it played Toys in the Attic and it was just like fucking. <laughs> anyone film any of this? No, but I have a picture of, of them yeah. all looking at me for an answer for something. Which, <laughs> I, which I'm just about to post online, finally. Okay, finally. I kept it to myself. What year was this? 2010, maybe? Wow, okay. I just wanted to keep it for myself. Yeah, yeah. And, you know... I get it. You know what I mean? It was just sort of like... But I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta share that one. It's too good. But it's very funny. It's like, oh, look. They're all asking me a question and waiting for my answer. Yeah. That's, like, what do you think? That's pretty badass, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good shot. And actually wanting the answer as well, not just as a courtesy. They were fucking cool, man. Yeah. And Tom Hamilton, their bass player, yeah. is, um, he is, he's about as cool as they come. Yeah. And he was really, he was he was just hip. He was just really nurturing to me. And yeah. Anyway, uh, I, uh, you know, I, 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 I hung in there for a week, sang backgrounds with them. Yeah. I don't know if they were thinking about bringing me on as a singer at one point too, yeah. but Bobby, you know, got the gig. He 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 knew the shit. Yeah. You know. Huh. What a great experience. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. So I got to play with him for a week. So. I'm pretty what's happy the uh, as we go out of this podcast episode? What's the biggest shift in New York in the last ten years oh. for you? Work-wise, I mean, we've talked about jingles. Well, you it, and I played yeah. live. Okay, this so Aerosmith thing, live shows, tours you've done. You know, big shows we've done together. You know, like tons of stuff. I just think it's the um, it, it, it's the weeding out of the. It, it, it has nothing to do. Uh, it, it trickles down from the, the economic thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I just see. I don't see a lot of interesting artistic people hanging in there, you yeah. know? I see a lot of sameness. I see a lot of... I mean, I'm, it sounds like I'm biased against wealthy people, and I'm not, but it's like, I know what's... You know, I know that there's a lot of... It's expensive to live here, and you got to have a certain type of job to hold it down. It's yeah. not... 
about artists, you know. Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of artists can't afford it. I mean, it's it's. I mean, these fucking apartments are ridiculous. It's a far cry from the loft scene of the '70s. Oh my gosh, 80s, I can't. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know. You find it's not nurturing anymore. It's not nurturing at all. I don't. I mean, I don't. I mean, I'm. Am I missing pockets of this? I. I, I think the, uh, the scene is. Well, okay. Let, let's let's. With no gatekeepers in the major labels, let's say, uh -huh. to really weed through music specifically at this point, it's it's the wild wild west. Yeah. You know, um, I I find it hard to get turned on to. Stuff. I mean, I'm. I find it very confusing to try to get turned on to new music. Uh -huh. I. You know, I think the scenes to me, I think that there's like a really like, there's actually a little bit of a rock scene in New York City. Okay. You know, um, it's it doesn't strike me as being a bunch of super young vital kids. It's like, you know, yeah. a lot of vets, you know. But but there's, there is one here. I mean, like there's buddies of mine, there's band 10 Ton Mojo, friends of ours, um, you know, uh, Doing doing good things, selling out. You see the same people, but it's great. You know, to me yeah. that's cool. But I'm I'm, di I'm digressing a little bit. I think that there are just landlords holding out for higher rents. If you, I mean, I mean, I'm in the west. We're in the West Village right now. Right. And how many fucking storefronts have you noticed that you didn't see before? It's crazy. Yeah. So many vacancies. That's People why I wanted to walk over here. Like I was on Good. the other, si other side of town. I was like, you know what? It's fine that you need an hour before we do this. I want to walk and I want to look yeah. at it. You know, I was here for ten years. I know it's changed. And I had a couple of restaurants I wanted to stop and have dinner in that don't exist anymore. Yep. You know. And then I was thinking, oh, I'll call you because you know what's up. I said, no, I'm going to discover this and see what's going on. Yeah. You know, well, evidence your own eyes for sure. Yeah. Uh, you walk? Did you walk down Sullivan Street from the park? Uh, to me? I think I walked down, I walked through the park and then I walked down McDougal. Okay, okay. Um, is La Lanterna still there? La Lanterna? You know, downstairs? Uh, yeah. I saw you play with Cries Breakdown there, I believe it was. Holy there. cow, that's yeah. right. Sorry, I had to think for yeah. a second. I didn't even, wow, I didn't yeah. even remember that place. Yeah, 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 yeah. wow. You know, a little basement spot. Little, little basement spots like that, you know, I mean, they, they're still around, I mean. Well, those um, things kind of come and go. Wine bars go. decide they yeah. want music, yeah. and then it exactly. lasts for six months and it disappears. Exactly. I don't think that'll ever change. Yeah. You know? People always, at some point, come across the really bad idea of thinking live music in their place is a really good idea. <laughs> I mean, okay, so I, we mentioned Frank Ferrer a few times, uh, yeah. which, who, who we auditioned for Jive's band together, which yeah. was very fun. Oh, you and I auditioned yeah, you, you him. That was you. amazing. I think yeah. Jive was there. <laughs> no, and we were at some... I want to remember what that rehearsal space was on the SIR. west side. Was it SIR? It was SIR yeah. On the 23rd Street? Or where uh, it was? Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. downtown one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Some rehearsal space on the, the west one. side. <laughs> the one, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, so, so basically, uh, Frank and I, a couple years ago, a year and a half ago, I mean, we have an original band called PSSR. We just uh, finished our record. Uh, I should say an EP. And um, we're going to um, start pushing that right now, which is going to be great. I will send you a copy. Beautiful. Uh, I think you will enjoy it. Um, we also have um, a cover band, okay. which is me, Brett Bass. Do you know him? No, you know I Brett, not. right? No. Oh, I don't. okay. Um, on bass, and this guy Rob Cloris, who is a fantastic keyboard player, who played with Black Crows, Enrique, okay. um, Tom Jones, all kinds of cool, okay. cool folks. Um, we have this cover band. We had a residency in Brooklyn. It's a place called Beast of Bourbon. Okay. Uh, for 
about a year. And, you know, the club owner's a good friend of ours, and he was just like, man, you just don't make any money with the music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and we kind of saw it, it's like, the residency, the residency, residency thing yeah. was hard. Yeah. You know, it's like the repeated, the, yeah. re the repeated week thing can get yeah. tired, you know, especially when it's not like the focus of people's lives to go out and see a lot of music anymore. Yeah. That's the crazy thing to me about Stern. Oh, how geez. long he's been doing the playing at the dump. Well, it's the 55 bar we affectionately right. refer to it as the dump. Which sounds genius, though, for the dump? whatever reason. I love the way that place sounds. Oh, that place is one of the best drum rooms in New York. It's just the low ceiling, yep. the way you place just, the drums, so good. Works. And he's been doing it for 30 years, Mondays and Wednesdays. Wow. Every wow. week that he's not on the road. And he's on the road a lot, but still, yeah. that's a regular gig. Yeah. You know, and that, that one, of the, one of the last few. I, my thing is that... I don't see anyone else replacing him once he stops doing it. Well, you know, because nobody else has come along even now to come yeah. up underneath him. Like, I don't see that. Well, thing. you know, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, I know, uh, I, it's funny, I know from just playing in some event bands and stuff, I met some cool, cool younger people like Near Felder. Oh, yeah, of you course. Know? Um, Very good friend of mine. And uh, obviously, I mean, fucking the snarky puppy people, all of them. Yeah. I did, uh, I, I subbed on the. Um, Lazarus musical. I okay. can't say that. I can Lazarus. never get that S happening. Lazarus. Lazarus. The Lazarus <laughs> musical by David Bowie. Okay. Um, that's the only way I can make that S at the yeah. end. Um, Chris, uh, Chris McQueen okay. from, from Snarky Puppy. Yep. He was the other guitar player on the gig. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely like... Yeah, I, I, I got to say, Mike is someone... Mike's and Mike a good is, friend of mine. Mike and awesome. someone else I'm you know, obviously interviewing for the podcast. He's great. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, when I see, when I mention people that I think, yeah, and I put yeah. my fist up and go, yeah, yeah. go for I, Snarky Puppy's right up there. Yeah, man, they're fun, one, they're cool. Know, like, I mean, Bob's great. Uh, um, Bob, but Bob, uh, Bob Limbs Eddie. Okay, you know, and gotcha. like they're all just they're, they're all cool and it's cohesive. It's a re it's a band, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you think about, you know, there used to be bands. Yeah. You know, like Return to Forever, Weather Report. These yeah. these things that were units, you know. Yep. And I and I have so much respect for for Mike for pulling that thing together because yep. he's he's at the core of that oh absolutely for sure. he's the you he's know? the brains like, behind the operation I mean I, I actually see a lot of um, I mean I think both you and him share that real entrepreneurial enterprising gene together you know and yeah, we've talked a little bit about that actually yeah you know, that's like, like you guys you guys should uh, you know continue to just share ideas and you know maybe present together things and just inspire people and be yeah you, we, did, you, we did a I'm we sure. did a workshop for a week last year i think year. i knew that i think oh I knew yeah that. that's what i'm saying that yeah, yeah. yeah which was a lot of fun we went up to canada together yeah. and with the two like based yeah he's a hip thing. dude yeah. he's a hip dude super hip guy. super super easy people nomadic lifestyle that he leaves just constantly on the road yeah. you know it's uh yeah i have a lot of admiration for him he's an amazing player as well yeah he's and cool. his keyboard cool. bass playing is just oh i remember that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's really yeah. badass um but that's a, that's sort of like that you know that's you know there there's there's people out there you know there are pockets of it there's pockets of it. but yeah. that's the thing I th I feel like okay see see I'm a rock and roller so yep. it's like I mean I can play other things yep. I can play in varying degrees of, of with varying degrees of quality yeah <laughs> but um you know but I know I know what I do best yep. and I see what I do now as a niche uh -huh. thing. Yeah. Do you uh, think people recognize that in themselves early enough? <laughs> well, I think if they do, go after it. I think if they do, they're more successful. Yeah, you know, 
I think it's also quicker. a question of bravery as well, trying to do that. And yeah. I remember me thinking, like, I want to be like all the people who are 20 years older than me, which was so the wrong attitude. Yeah, I, to I, learn from them, yeah, great. Yeah. But to not invest in my own scene yeah. was a mistake. And I did invest in it a lot. And yeah. I have continued I know, to do more of it. I know exactly it. what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The more I can impress that upon people, you know, I, you know, I interviewed a friend of mine, Bob Reynolds, uh, who also plays a lot of Snarky yeah, yeah. Puppy. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, so we were, like, me and Bob is like you and Steve. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the that's kind great. of that's, that's the great. kind of situation. That's great. And his, I said, did you have any regrets? His one regret was that I didn't invest more in my own scene when I lived in New York. We both lived in New York ten years together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that seems to be a common thread amongst people thirty-five plus who look back and think, mm-hmm. you know, anyone who's doing something entrepreneurial now or going out on their own, that's where they look back and think, wow, I should have been doing that since I was 20. You know, believing in myself yeah, and not being well, fearful but Yeah, of but that's such a tricky piece right there. And you gotta totally. get your, everybody's got to let themselves off the hook on that on some level. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I don't know if, uh, I, I, I've, if this piece is, is helpful, but like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a pretty big advocate of therapy. You know, and uh, you know, there, there. I've gone through so many waves of it, and I'm not, I'm not in it right now. But so much of it, you know, is about uh, your confidence. You know, and it's like about, and then it's about that that reflective uh, phase that you you, what people should go go through, and it's like, man, I just imagine everybody. Has to, has to fucking have some level of regret, but it's just, it just doesn't make any sense, yeah. you know. Totally. It, 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 it's it's the most debilitating thing, you yeah. know. Um, but I, uh, oh, that's that's uh, that's uh, that's the stomach looking for for a slice of pizza. Wow. Okay. Yeah, well, that's that's, that's amazing. Yeah. That we're gonna finish on a stomach rumble. That is a first. If you got that, I, I wanna, did. I, I heard I'll, it. I wonder what it was. I think you should sample that. Put a beat on it. <laughs> And let Katy Perry have it. <laughs> hey, man, I'll send you half the publishing if that works. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I got ripped off on the stomach rumble. Yeah. All right, that's amazing. And it just ran with that. That's an amazing way to end, dude. Thank yeah. you so much for Love doing you. this. Fucking awesome. Love you too, man. All right. All right. You made it to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Again, if you are listening on iTunes or Stitcher or any other podcast aggregator, don't forget to rate and review. It really helps spread the word about the podcast and allows me to make great free content available to you guys. Um, So thank you in advance for the support. Thank you for your support to this date. And uh, I will see you again on the next podcast. I'm Yannick Guzdala, and this is the Yannick Guzdala Podcast. Thank you.